Hello, everyone. It's so lovely to see you all, even if you are all wearing face masks. Um, fortunately, this means I can't tell how engaged you are, so you just have to look at me and I'll think you're all enjoying this, so it's great for me. Now, I don't want to panic anyone. It is like two weeks till Christmas. Even someone who is as grinchy and scroogey as me is now feeling a little bit of the Christmas spirit. So I want to get a sense of how ready we are for Christmas. So show of hands, who has decorated something for Christmas? Whether it's an office, a house, a desk, I don't know. Okay, okay, about half. I'm guessing a few people like me are going home for Christmas, so you don't bother decorating. Okay, who has started their Christmas shopping? Okay, yeah, a few more. Who's finished their Christmas shopping? Just me. Oh, I'm Bethany. Um, my cheat is I do it all in one day online, and then it's done. So that's my life hack for next year for you all. Um, does anyone still need to start shopping? Is anyone waiting until that box is at um, <laughs> Alex? A couple of people over here waiting for that Christmas Eve. You know, all the sales start on Christmas Eve, go shopping then. Um, cool, thank you for humoring me. I feel like a few people are feeling Christmas Eve, but maybe not all of us yet, and that's totally fine. But as Duncan said, we're going to be looking at a little bit of a Christmas story today. And it's probably a bit that we're all very familiar with. We're going to be looking at when the angel Gabriel visits Mary. Now, if you've ever had the joy of either going to or starring in a school nativity, you definitely know this story. It's when a tinsel-topped angel appears to a girl dressed in blue and says, you're going to have a baby. And then they quickly move on to everything else. But we're going to look at the Bible together. So it's Luke 1, 26 to 38. I think it will appear on the screens. Fabulous. I'll give you a second for those of you that like to turn to an actual Bible. Cool. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favoured one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So we're right at the start of Luke's gospel here, which makes sense. The gospels are the stories of Jesus' life here on earth makes sense that announcing that he's going to be born would be pretty early on. This is actually the second announcement of a pregnancy that we've had this far in Luke's gospel. If we flipped back to slightly earlier in the chapter, Angel Gabriel appears to um, Zechariah, who's a priest, and tells him that him and his wife Elizabeth, who's a relative of Mary, are going to have a baby boy. That baby boy is John the Baptist, for those of you that like connecting up the dots. 
Um, and that's a miracle in itself. Zechariah and Elizabeth, we're told in the story, were both um, advanced in years. They were made maybe older than we would expect them to have children. And Elizabeth was barren. But they'd prayed for many, many years about having children. This was such an answer to prayer. This was a blessing on them. So when Gabriel appeared to this righteous man, tells him that his prayers are answered, there are echoes back through the Old Testament. There are so many stories in the Old Testament of couples who've longed for a child, who've faced infertility, barrenness, who've gone their whole lives wanting children and have been blessed in old age. We've got um, Abraham and Sarah. We've got Hannah and Elkaniah. There are others as well. This is something that we've seen throughout the Bible. But the proclamation of Jesus' coming is a little bit different. Now, I can just picture Angel Gabriel checking his calendar to see what's going on this day. Looks on his Google calendar and sees 3 p.m. Announce Jesus' birth. Sounds like a good afternoon activity for me. I mean, I'd quite enjoy that in my afternoon. And as we all do, when we have something in a Google calendar, we have to check, you know, is it on Teams or Zoom? Are we in person? Where is it? How do I get there? Very stressful. So look at where it is, and it's Nazareth. Now, that's really surprising. Nazareth, there's nothing there. It's a very boring place. It wasn't very remarkable. It was in um, the area of Galilee, which was also pretty unremarkable. But yeah, apparently, Nazareth, okay. So who's this message for? Is it for some you know, righteous couple, people who are longing for a child, someone of great renown? No, it's just to a young woman, a virgin, a girl betrothed, betrothed to a carpenter. No one particularly special, no one powerful, no one rich, just this ordinary girl. Now, I don't like to claim that I know what angels are thinking, but Gabriel must have wondered what was going on for just a second there. This seems like an odd choice. It's a nowhere town. It's a no one person. The other pro um, proclamations have been to people who are faithful, who've lived long lives serving God. And now he's just going to some normal girl and saying, you are going to be the mother of Jesus. So who is Mary? She's young. Culturally, it wouldn't be unlikely that she'd be about 14, which means if she was here today, she wouldn't have started her GCSEs yet. She's very young. She's about to get married. She's betrothed to Joseph, which if you don't know, means that they're promised to be married, but they're not yet together as a man and wife. So they're definitely going to get married. Everyone's going ahead for that. But they're not yet actually living as a married couple, which was the culture. She's got her life ahead of her. We don't know how she's feeling about her marriage to Joseph, but she's probably starting to wonder what's it going to look like. She's a young woman about to be a wife. Maybe she wonders what being a carpenter's wife is going to be like, whether they will have a family, what they're going to do, how their life in Nazareth is going to pan out. She's probably expecting it to be fairly normal, like all of her friends. And then an angel bursts in and changes literally everything. As we heard from the passage, Gabriel tells Mary that she is going to have a son. This unmarried woman is about to get pregnant. Now, Back in Jesus' time, they might not have known quite as much about reproductive science as we know now, but they knew how babies were made. They knew what needed to happen. And it's pretty hard to hide a pregnancy. She might have got away with it for like a month or two, but eventually people were going to realize this woman who is not married is pregnant. Something has gone amiss here. 
and the rumours would start flying. Now, those of you that know me will know that I have the habit of catastrophizing. I can take any situation and immediately find the worst possible thing that can happen from it. If this had happened to me, my mind would probably have gone something like this. Pregnant? No, no, no. I can't get pregnant. If I get pregnant, people will think that I've had sex with Joseph, which I haven't. But that's fine, because Joseph will tell them that we haven't. But then he'll think I've cheated on him, which I haven't. And then he's going to leave me. And then my friends and family will abandon me because I've lied to them. And then I'm going to have no one and nothing, and I'll be pregnant, and everything will be awful. And you see where this goes. It gets very bad very fast. I would not have responded how Mary did. Mary's response was simply, I am the servant of the Lord. All of that human panic, all of that risk of ridicule, of rejection, all that fear of becoming a mother before she is married, that she knows that she is in the hands of God and that she can trust his plan. So why did God choose Mary? Gabriel greets Mary as the favoured one. He says that she is favoured by God. But why? What makes Mary so special? Jesus could have been born to anyone. When I was writing this, I put in any woman of childbearing age. But actually, we know that even that isn't a limit to God's plan. We've seen plenty of women in the Bible have children after childbearing age. She could have been born to a family of wealth and power and influence, a family in a strategic location, politically connected, royally connected, could have been to a faithful couple who are longing for a child, who've proven their dedication over years of service to God. It could have been to a woman who'd already raised children and knew how to bring a baby into the world safely and healthily. It could have been to a newly married couple starting a life together, blessed with a child that they can raise together. It could literally have been anyone. But instead, God chose a young girl with no credentials, no track record of motherhood or raising children, seemingly nothing special or surprising about her to separate her from any other young woman across the nation. Well, if you're familiar with stories in the Bible, this probably shouldn't surprise you because God loves to pick people that are unremarkable to the world. He loves to use the people who we don't expect, the people who are the underdog, the people who it's so clear it's God's plan because they would never have done it on their own. His only requirement to use Mary for her to be his favoured one was that she was available and she was willing to serve. The reason that Mary got to bear Jesus, bring him into the world and raise him as her child was because she was available and she was willing to serve. That response is why she was chosen. One of the commentators that I read on this passage paraphrased that response to be, use me as you will, I will not refrain from serving because I do not feel qualified or usable. What an incredible response to such a massive ask. When I was preparing this message, I felt God give me one of those little elbows in the rib, and that there might be some people that need to hear that little bit of this message again. God isn't calling you to whatever he's calling you to because somehow you've convinced him that you are the best for the job, that you're qualified, or that you deserve it. 
He's calling you because he wants it for you. It is his plan. All he needs from you is for you to say that you are available and willing to serve. All you need to do is respond as Mary did with, I am the servant of the Lord and he will be with you. That's all we need for his plan in our life. It's a slight tangent, but I thought maybe maybe some people needed to hear that this morning. Mary is a beautiful model of faithfully serving God, even against massive adversity. But she also shows us what it means to be grateful to God. I don't know if you've noticed, there seems to be a lot of feeling this year about we deserve a good Christmas. It has been a hard couple of years. We've all experienced a lot of loss and made a lot of sacrifices. We've worn masks, missed birthdays, got vaccines, lost loved ones, rearranged weddings. I've not met my nephew yet. We've given up holidays. Many of us didn't even get to spend last Christmas with our families. Surely, we deserve this Christmas to be great. Now, I don't know how you like to spend Christmas. I'm sure we all have different traditions. Maybe you want lots of time with your friends and your family, just some time off work or studying to relax and rest. Lots of presents under the tree, whether it's because you like giving them or getting them. Maybe you just want someone to cook you a really good dinner. Maybe it's the tinsel and the lights and how beautiful and bright everything is amid the dark nights. Maybe it's just that your TV show that you like has a great Christmas special every year and you can't wait to watch it. It's so easy to get up, to get caught up in thinking that we deserve that stuff. I have done or not done all these things this year, so I should get what I want. I'm going to confess something to you. My letter to Santa emphatically told him that I've been very, very, very nice this year, so I should get some great presents. Because I have. I've done all of the things I was meant to. We've all done our bit. Surely... We get the good stuff this Christmas. How selfish a mindset is that to fall into? I think so, so easy. We just have to look around us. If anyone ever deserved a good Christmas, it was Mary. She was willing to lay down everything to be obedient to God. She carried and bore a baby. She gave birth to Jesus. She was willing to sacrifice the safety and security of the life she thought she had ahead of her to bring Jesus into the world. Did she write a list of things that she now deserved of Mary, mother of Jesus? No. A little bit later in chapter one, we have a song that Mary sings as praise, um, a song of praise to God. She rejoices in the blessings that she received. Um, it's Luke 1, 46 to 49. It might come up, I'm not sure. Yeah. It says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my saviour, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. It's a song, the language is a little bit strange and might be a little bit hard to follow. But essentially, Mary is rejoicing in what God has done for her. What God has done for her is made her pregnant before she gets married, made her give birth to a baby she now has to raise. But she is rejoicing in that that is God's plan for her life. 
that she gets the privilege of being the mother of Jesus. And she's praising him for the blessing that that is on her life. She's not coming to God with a list of things that she now wants in payment for that service. She's just happy to be part of the story. And later, after Jesus is born and the shepherds visit, she doesn't demand to be upgraded to a penthouse suite or that her visitors bring her lots of expensive gifts and lavish her in luxury. Or even that Joseph take over so that she can go and have a nap for a while and just rest. In Luke 2, 15 to 19... It says, when the, wi- when the angels went away from them, which is the shepherds, into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it pondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary spends that first Christmas praising God for the blessing that he's given her and pondering in her heart what that means. That this tiny baby in a manger, as Helena prayed out earlier, he's literally going to save the world. He's the one who's been born to pay the ultimate price, to restore all of humanity to relationship with God. She doesn't spend that Christmas thinking about what she's going to get out of this. She's just rejoicing in God's plan. And how often do we lose sight of that wonderful thing amidst all the tinsel and the trimmings? I know I do. Every year I get to the end of Christmas and think, this is all about Jesus. This isn't about the rest of it. The rest of it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But it distracts us from what we're actually meant to be focusing on. And if you take an honest look at where your heart is right now, is it focused more on how you're going to spend the holiday? Whether you can cram in all the things that you want to do over the next couple of weeks? Or is it focused on praising God for his abundant blessing? Is it pondering the baby in the manger and all that he is going to grow up to be? If the band can come up, that would be great. What we're going to do now is just have a little bit of time for reflection amidst all the noise and busyness and chaos that happens around Christmas. I want us to just take a minute or two to just have some quiet. The band are going to sort of play quietly and just do what Mary did. Take that second to ponder in your heart the baby in the manger, what that means for you, where your heart's at this Christmas. And then as a group, we're going to worship together. We're going to do the other thing that Mary did. We're going to sing a song of praise, pour out our thanks at the blessing that God has given us. Um, So band, if you'd like to play a little bit of music so it's not awkward, but if it's easier to close your eyes and bow your heads, whatever you need to do to, you know, drown out the distractions, we'll just take a moment of reflection and then we'll sing together.